What's up guys and fans of Colorado Motocross Files? Uh, this is Corey and this is going to be an introduction to an interview that I did with my mom and my dad. Uh, my dad is Bob Cochran and my mom is Katie Cochran. Uh, they both uh, supported me through my racing in the early 90s and uh, got me into motorcycling and uh, my dad passed along his love of motorcycling to me. And so I figured I would sit down with them and uh, basically interview them and kind of give you guys uh, an background of who I am and where I came from and uh, why I've started this uh, project so my dad is uh, he'll be 78 this year and he's starting to have uh, early signs of dementia and uh, Parkinson's um, we just went to visit him over the 4th of July weekend and I started to notice a few things you know of him uh, getting that disease so I wanted to sit down with him um, and rec reminisce a little bit with him and my mom while he still knows who I am. So, um, my mom talks a lot more in this than my dad does. Um, his voice has gotten a little bit quieter over the years and, um, he's almost 78 years old. And so his body's a little beat up, um, from his, uh, his career, but, um, this is basically just an introduction of uh, wh who I am and where I came from. And so we sit down at the table at my mom and dad's house in Illinois and uh, just kind of go over my career. So sit back, enjoy, and here it is. In, in Illinois, Troy. in Troy, we Illinois. Were like a little bitty baby. And we had a, we rented a double wide trailer. Is that what it was? Oh no, we didn't rent it. No, we bought it. But no, I was gonna say that, you know, when you were like three and a half, Grandma Cochran mm -hmm. bought a twenty-inch bike. And I rode a full twenty-inch bike when I was three. Uh, three and a half. And I remember we had a. We had to put you on it. We had a trailer court in the back. And there was a no. There was a oh, no. a park in the back. And there was a basketball court. Yes. And I would ride it on the basketball court, and then ride up the hill and fall over because yes. I was too small to ride it. Right. Right. But we she <laughs> bought the bike with the intention of you uh, giving it to you when you were older. But you saw it, and you were like, I gotta ride that. Yeah. You know. So right. that's why I thought we would start out. Gotcha. You know, okay. Something like that. So. Um. So I remember my first, as far as motorcycles, um, after the bicycle there, dad traded a compound bow and arrow for a Honda, it's called a Trail 70. Do you remember that, dad? Hot Honda. Yep. And do you remember who you traded a compound bow for? Or no? No, I don't. No? I think that was okay. Bob Cress, wasn't it? Bob Cress, okay. Yeah, before we left. Yeah, before, yeah, while we still lived in Maryville. Right, so we bought a little Trail 70, and then we moved out to Colorado in 1984. Yes. And um, we had an apartment complex for about six months. 
in Castle Rock. So then um, we eventually, you guys bought a house and had it built. We were one of the first houses on the left side of the street on Vineyard Drive. And I remember riding that bike in the backyard before there was other houses built in the subdivision. Yeah. I had a whole area in the back where I could ride it. Right. And I rode that around and um, probably for about a year or so, I oh, guess. Yeah, at least a year. And then uh, I think it went, in 1986, Grandpa Cochran passed away. And yes. Grandma right. was rewarded with some money. And I remember. Yeah, she you gave us a thousand dollars. Yeah, and we bought you a Kawasaki. A Kawasaki KX60 from Plum Creek Motorsports in Castle Rock. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and Marianne or Millie, Mary Ellen, was her name. I remember, and she had a son named HC that was a pro local pro rider. Yes. Right. Yes. But I remember going into that shop one time, and then we're looking at a KX60, and I remember it sitting at the end of a couple of uh, street bikes. Yeah. And so I went to throw my leg over the Kawasaki and kind of set it up. And I was just, a, I wasn't quite, I, I was kind of tippy-toe on it. Yeah. And I went to set it up straight and there was about six or seven other bikes on the other side of it. I started to tip over towards those bikes, like lose my balance. Yeah. And you caught me just in time. And I remember you saying something like, we're here to buy one bike, not six of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... Uh, I, that's something I remember from that shop, but there was a local, uh, shop in Ca Castle Rock called Plum Creek Motorsports, and that's yeah. where we bought the bike from. That right. is true. And I remember bringing it home, and we still had no houses for a good five or ten years behind us. Right. It was a long time, um, the one we... guy, there was one guy that did complain. Oh, okay. There was one guy in the neighborhood that did complain because my Kawasaki was a little loud. Oh, I don't remember. Who was well, that? It's a, it's a, the bike... You know, it's deafening. Yeah. And this guy, I said, if you need have any problems, let me know. I'll tell him. And then he come out and he said, it's time to tell him. Oh, okay. So then I believe there was a apartment. There was some a little bit of land at the top of our street. They were going to build an apartment complex called the Rolling Hills Apartments. Yes. And I used to ride there. I remember riding there, and that's kind of where you sent me to go ride because I couldn't mm -hmm. ride in the backyard anymore. Right. So I'd ride up the street to this next complex or whatever, and I rode around there for a while. And I remember one time riding there, and I come around a corner, and I see a cop car doing like a fishtail into the, into the area. And he comes up to me, and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just riding my dirt bike. He's like, what's your name? And I'm like, uh, Corey Cochran. And he's like, where do you live? And I'm like, uh, down here. And so I gave him my address and he's like, meet me there. So I drove down back home on my dirt bike on the street. And I told dad, I'm like, dad, our cops are coming. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, a cop came up and, and caught me riding up there. So the cop comes to the door or whatever to the house. And I remember him saying, you know, you, you can't ride up here, you know, it's private property or whatever. They're right. building an apartment complex or something. Yeah. So he's like, he was pretty cool. And he's like, I got some land. I live off of uh, Lake Gulch Road or I live off of the frontage road off High 25. Why don't you come on out to my house? Yeah, he was and, really cool. Yeah, he was really cool. It. And so like the next weekend we went out there and I remember it just being uh, just a bunch of flat land and there was like nothing to do. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, cool, cool, whatever, you yeah, know. Yeah, whatever. 
So anyway, um, I believe my first race on the KX60 was at Berthoud, just north of Denver. Yes. And the you, old Berthoud yeah, track. Yeah, and you didn't even have, like, you didn't have any gear at all. You had, like, I had... Uh, so I had I bought these motocross pants, but they were jeans, but yes. they were padded jeans. They were padded. So they were like extra thick padded jeans, and I had a Plum Creek Motorsports jersey and a black laser helmet yes. with some scratched up Scott goggles that like Dad never changed the the lenses for me, never put tear offs on me. I'm like how could you do that? <laughs> anyway, but I just remember you know just having the basics to go ride. Um, Eventually got kicked out of that area, and then there was another place we called The Dips, and it was just a little bit north of that area, um, and they eventually ended up making a road go through there, but it was that's exactly what it was. It was a bunch of valleys and dips, and right. we made some tracks through there and stuff like that, but I, my first race was at Berthoud in 1989 in the 60 Novice class against Travis Riley and Chris Chu, Ugh, and... Yes. The Dennis kid. The Dennis kid, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, we don't even know the people, but you yeah. know, you just wanted me to beat him because you worked for a dentist. Yeah, I worked for a dentist, and he, his dad was a dentist, and yeah, he, and he had all the gear. Yeah, and the you know, we were we were budget people, you know, coming in with a four-year-old KX60, and these kids had brand new stuff, and yeah. you know, so mom typically wanted me to beat him, you know, yeah, and kick ass, buddy. That day, I actually did. I beat. Travis Riley and Chris Chu. I can't remember who won, but that was my first race, and I got second place. Yeah, you got um, your first trophy. Got my first trophy, um, and so I was kind of hooked from then on. Um, we also raced a Supercross race um, in Longmont, and we I remember we thought we had to be up there early in the morning to sign up, so we get up early, we drive dark, you know, the sun's coming up, we get there and find out that I don't race till later that night. So we end up watching a bunch of these races, and I remember there was a, like a mini expert race, and there was a big double right in front of the stands. And during the race, one of the kids cases the double and crashes. Yes. He turns around and gets up, and the next kid comes over the double, and the flagger's not paying attention. Yeah. He catches this bike like a football, just right in his chest, boom, and takes him out. The flagger's not doing anything. And he's just sitting there and there's bikes coming over the double and just landing on these kids and an old lady in the stands sees all what's happening she has a heart attack in the stands yes so this the paramedics are going between the track and the stands to try to help these kids that are getting landed on and getting broke and this old lady in the stands my mom turns to my dad and is like, you want our kid to do this shit? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, I was ready to go. So that was quite an experience. Um, yeah. And then I also remember there was a track in uh, south of Colorado Springs in security. It was just called security, I yeah, think. Yeah, I remember that. Right off the side of the road. And that was my first entra encounter with Travis Riley. And I remember washing my bike at the little bike wash they had there. And I think it was me, Travis Riley, and maybe one other kid. And for some reason, he must have thought that I was his competition. I'm washing my bike, and he comes over and on his bicycle and kind of flicks his rear end at me and hits me in the leg with his rear end. And then just kind of looks at me like, what's up? And I'm like, okay, what's up? He ends up beating me both, like both motos that day. Yeah. But he eventually he goes on, and he's a pretty good rider in the state of Colorado. And... 
um, you know, has several bikes and, you know, the, the family had a lot of uh, support and a lot of, uh, you know, I think the debt. A lot of money. A lot of money, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we, I had one KX60 and it was an 83 model and it was air-cooled. And I was racing against water-cooled KX60s that were modified and stuff. And I did fairly good for what I yeah, did, right? Did. Eventually, I outgrew the KX60. And I remember I had to get... I wasn't the best in school. So I had to get all C's and above to be able to get a brand new 80. That's right. And I just made it. I think I got a C- in one of them. But I was still able to get it. Um, so in Christmas, 19... 90 or 1989 is when I remember getting an RM80 uh, for my for Christmas. Yes, um, and I got a full set of O'Neill gear and the Rock Block chest protector, which is like a clamshell. It was so protective, but it was so restrictive. It wasn't even funny. Um, I had a Bell Moto 4 SL helmet with a slight custom name on the back that a friend of mine did. Um, but I remember racing the mini novice class in 1991. Um, we bought a motorhome. We ended up going to Pueblo Motorsports Park and racing a race. This is before we got a motorhome, though. Oh yeah, because uh, that the reason we got the motorhome was because we were at Pueblo uh -huh. and they had the crappiest crappers. They had ever. There was a pile of dirt, and then there was uh, like a makeshift outhouse uh, sitting on top of it. And that was the bathroom. Yeah. And I remember. And I wasn't going in there either. <laughs> right. Sure. Uh, she actually had to use it, so I think she did go in there. But well, she I came back to. out, and she went straight to my dad and was like, "We are not coming back to one of these until we get a motorhome." That's right. <laughs> so we bought an '81 Itasca motorhome Class C. Yep. And that thing worked pretty good. We had that for from '91, '92, '93, '94, huh? Until I was. Uh, done racing. Actually, we had it till 95. 95? Because you took it to school. Phoenix for the NASCAR race one yeah, time, right? Yeah, we did. We right. took it to the uh, NASCAR races. Right. Yep. So we had an Itasca a motorhome, and now we could go to the races the night before and spend the night. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, there was one time we went to Lakewood, and we were parked <laughs> right next to a ravine that was all filled in now where they have the parking it. But back in the day, the parking area there uh, wasn't quite as big and they had a big gully and ravine there. We parked right next to this ravine and a windstorm came up that night and I remember the motorhome blowing uh, left and right and we thought we were going to go down into oh, that ravine. Yeah, we, it, it was it so was windy. The wind blew all night long and you guys were up on the upper bit. You and Jean were, we're up on, on the, the up, upper bunk. Above, above the driver, and, yeah. Oh, and we had watched Days of Thunder that night. Oh. <laughs> I remember that. On our little TV, they right. had the little DVD. Yeah, it had a built-in uh, VCR. Yeah. yeah, we could watch videos. Yeah, little tapes. VCR thing. And um, anyway, it, it, it was just like winding all night long and we were like oh my god we're never gonna yeah. I, I don't think anybody ever slept yeah and then one more i don't know if it was the same trip but one morning we woke up and we it was so cold oh i guess that was a different trip the but heater went out or something well we had used up all the propane, used up all the propane 
Because the vehicle ran on propane also. Ran, you know, so we, he must have drove it on propane and we were low happened, or whatever. But anyway, we had to get, we had to have somebody come and give us a start. Do you remember that, babe? Mm, like a jump or something? No, I don't. You yeah. don't remember that? Yeah. But anyway, but yeah. anyway, we were at Lakewood and we thought we were all going to end up in the ravine, but yeah. praise the Lord, it we didn't do windy. that. Yeah, it was pretty windy. Yeah. So, 1991, I'm on an RM80, racing the Mini Novice class. Um, I remember going to Aztec one time, and in practice, I remember being like the one of the fourth or fifth one out in practice, and I remember just passing kids in practice and like taking the lead in practice, right? Like winning practice, right? Like, doesn't mean much, right? But you wouldn't believe the confidence it gave me, like, wow, I'm, I feel like I'm going fast. Like, I'm, I'm passing these kids, no one's catching me. I feel pretty fast today. The next, the for my first moto, I ended up winning my first moto. Um, it was a good battle between me and my friend Zach Morris, who still races to this day. And I remember, um, I remember he had the whole shot and was leading for a while, and then I eventually ended up passing him. And right after I passed him, we come up over a couple of doubles, a couple of jumps, and he endoed real hard and broke his collarbone really bad. Um, he ended up breaking it a couple times, but I remember him breaking his collarbone, but I went on to win that race, and that was my very first moto win. And the second moto, I remember, you know, getting being kind of a head case, like, oh, I, I got to win this second moto, and I think I finished sixth, but I remember just that practice session giving me the confidence to go and be like, wow, like, you know, there's no one passing me, I feel like I'm going fast, and, you know, so... That's what I felt, but 1991 ends, we go to 1992, and I think my motor had blown up in my little RM80. Remember that, Dad? Yeah. And we had Performance Cycle rebuild it, and everybody called it the $9 million 80 because I put so <laughs> much money into it and all these graphics and stuff, and it was, I made a 1990 RM80 look like a 1992 model with all the gaudy graphics and stuff that was pretty cool back in the day, but you look at it now, you're like, oh my God. But made it look like a 1992 RM, and I remember racing a few months, and um, I don't know if it blew up again or something, but we eventually went to Grand Prix Motorsports and bought a brand new 1992 RM125. Right. And man, I remember that thing. It was so awesome, so yeah, fresh. That was a surprise at Christmas. You didn't... That was 1990 for my RM80 at Joe Borio. Oh, was Joe Borio. Oh, that's right. That's our right. neighbor up the street uh, kept the bike in their house, and you invited that's me up, right. and I walked in and then saw it there. Okay. Right. Okay. For 1992, we went to Grand Prix and bought that 92 RM125, okay. and then brought it home. And brought it home. Um, yeah. So I started racing the 125 novice class on that 92 RM125, um, and I remember buying Alumalite handlebars for it at Grand Prix Motorsports, but I had no clue that the bars that I bought were for ATVs, so they were like ape hangers on my bike. <laughs> they were so tall, and I was so little on it, it looked like I was riding like a Harley with ape hangers on it. That's how <laughs> small I was, and how big these bars were. Eventually, the next year, I grew pretty good, and I remember getting a good set of Renthal bars on there that fit perfectly and were nice and low and got a pro circuit pipe or something and started being pretty competitive in the 125 novice class and eventually started winning and getting the marks 
when they had the marking system back in the day where if you finish in the top 2% of the race or the class or whatever for that weekend, out. you would mark out or get a mark. Yeah. After five marks, you would, after after seven marks, you could go to the next class. So if you're, if you're a novice rider, after receiving seven marks, you could go to the next level, which was the amateur class. Or if you were an amateur and you, you got that level, you went to the pro class. So it was a marking system that really gave the riders a goal to work to the next next level. Um, and I remember winning a couple races and marking out with just five marks and going to the B class. And I went, I turned amateur or B at the Watkins race in 1993 when Kate and what was her ex-husband's name? At Kate and Al came out. Some fr- my cousin came out with her friend, with her uh, the guy she was seeing at the time to cheer me on. But I remember winning both. I remember racing four motos in the morning, racing 125 and open novice in the morning, and winning all four motos and marking out, and then racing two classes in the afternoon: the 125 B class and the 120 and the open B class. And I remember in one of the classes, I hole shot my first B race and led the first lap and I ended up coming through a corner and tipping over and about seven or eight guys ran right over me, mm-hmm. like just used me for traction, just ran me right over. And I remember having scars and scrapes on my hands and my arms and stuff. So that was kind of my introduction to the B class. Um, later that year, I remember buying, um, I got a... CR125, a Honda CR125 from Faye Myers. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do remember that. And um, so I was racing Hondas then. And then I got my first official sponsorship yes. from a guy named um, Dave, was it Dave? Uh, from Extreme. Extreme, Extreme Gear. Extreme they had gear. the real bright yellow and purple Extreme Gear. And I remember getting a, a letter in the mail saying, due to your enthusiasm and stylish good looks while wearing extreme gear, we have granted you a couple sets of extreme gear oh, at no I cost. The day you I know, got it. and I was so stoked to get free <laughs> gear, you know, just a local 125B rider. But I sent in a pretty good resume and they liked it. So I got my first sponsorship. It was extreme. And I remember signing the contract and sending it in. And then after you got that, you got another set that were like, it was like blue and white or something. That or... was blue and white, and then you got another set that was like pink Red. and... Yeah, I mean, they had all kinds of... All they kinds were of very bright colors. Very you know? bright colors, The yes. 90s were very wild for colors, yes, so... Um, and that pretty much matched my, my RM125, you know, but I was on a Honda now, and so I was wearing Extreme Gear. Bought it from Faye Myers. Faye Myers is kind of helping me out a little bit. Um, so, I remember racing in 94 on a Honda, and... Pikes Peak Supercross in 1994. Do you remember that, Dad? We went with Wes Hale and his family, Dana and Leslie. Yes. And we parked next to them. The night before, me and Wes were playing with some water balloons and a water balloon launcher. And we were throwing water balloons at people. And you and Dana came up to us and were like, What are you kids doing? Causing trouble? Give me that. So you guys took the water balloon launcher from us. So me and Wes were like, oh, screw this. All right, let's go, let's go walk the track. So we walk the track. We're out there walking, mingling, talking with the friends and stuff like that. And I'm talking with Wes, and the next thing you know, I hear this. <clears throat> and I look down, and there's a water balloon that just blew up by me. And I look up, and I see these water balloons flying over the, 
the stands from the pits into the track, onto the track. And we're like, what the hell? Me and Wes are like, what the? So we walk, we run back to the pits. Here's my dad and Wes's dad, Dana, shooting water balloons over the, the, the stands from the pits into the, into the Penrose Arena and trying to hit us. <laughs> so, so they basically just took it so they could have fun. You wouldn't but, do that, would you, babe? No. No, no. not at all. No. So, um, but we became good friends with the Hales, Wes yes, Hale and sure stuff. Um, got sure to know did. them very well. And yeah. that was kind of my last year of racing in 1994. But several races we went to them with them. Um, I remember there was... Well, we need to talk about Adams County. Oh, yeah. That's right. We so definitely 19- need to talk about Adams County because that was your dad's favorite race. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one where I cased the this, Yeah, yeah super So... The 1994 Adams County Supercross, um, I was a 125B rider and I was one of the top riders in the class at that time. Um, I remember having a problem with triple jumps. I I really wanted to jump them, but my timing was off. In 1992, I raced the Penrose Supercross on an RM125 in the novice class. And I remember in practice jumping the triple uh, in the novice class in practice and as soon as I landed I like looked over the crowd like yeah how about that I got this right yeah you thought you were yeah. the walk didn't you <laughs> I come around the next lap hit the triple again I come up about three feet short and cased it like you would not believe go over the bars boom concussion uh, just hurt myself I couldn't even race that day so I ended up staying and watching but in 1994 um, we went to the Adams County Supercross and I kind of did the same thing uh, in a qualifier I was running third or fourth and went to jump past a guy off a triple and I just came about three feet short boom flipped over the bars you know did the endo classic bike hit me in the back uh, ended up ended up like pulling a either tearing or pulling a bunch of muscles from the back of my calf yeah like from my bottom of my knee to the back of my calf and I couldn't walk for a couple weeks so I was on crutches yeah so who carried you out yeah dad carried me out on your on my back on your back you're right you carried me out on my on your back right yeah so I remember going home you know the thing of it is the whole thing you were you're waving at guys and people in the crowd oh yeah I was showing off you were showing off oh you mean actually when they were carrying me off you mean yeah. And everybody was clapping because I was okay and glad right. that I did okay. And so it, everybody was looking at me and they were clapping because I was being carried off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but your dad wasn't clapping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that kind of started a conversation um, which led me into early retirement. Um, I remember dad saying, so... If you're going to keep doing this, you better find a good job with good insurance. Or, you know, you can't race without insurance. If you get hurt and you break your leg, how are you going to perform your job with a broken leg? Right. Well, at that point, you know, because basically, once you started racing, I went back to work. Right. Um, right. To help. To, to help pay for all right. of it. Um, I mean, Dad had a good job. hmm but, but it took both of you. But it took yeah. both of us yeah. to be able to have you do that. And I and I mean to this day I don't regret 
right any of it right because we watched you grow we were with you every weekend we knew where you were we right. had your friends with us right uh, do not regret one moment or one dollar that we spent right but it did take two of us to do it right and but when it came you know when it came time for your decision that you know you hadn't had you hadn't done anything in high school right right uh, you were just the kid that every day wore a different motocross jersey. motocross shirt yeah. <laughs> You were known as the motocross guy. Yeah. yeah, it's rare now. I mean, it, it's common now to have kids racing you know, dirt bikes in school, but I was one of the only kids that was oh, com- yeah, you were. competing every weekend right. racing. Right, and, and stuff. you know, you, you didn't, you know, never went to football games, never, never went, went to basketball. prom, never went to homecoming. Yeah, never yeah. went to any of that. I was always racing. And you racing. decided you wanted to do that. And, you know, we, we were like, yeah, that's cool, you yeah. know. But, um,. But I remember, you know, Dad kind of saying, you know, if you're going to keep doing this, you better have some support, you know, as far as when you get hurt, you can't do your job with a broken leg. How are you going to do that? You know, and I think that started to get to me and I started thinking, you know, what happens if I do crash and I do break my leg? And the thing, you know, the thing of it was, was really, Corey, we, you were very lucky that you never had a really serious injury. Correct. Yeah. Right. Until. Until I broke my wrist. Later on, when several were, years after I was ra- several, done racing, yeah, yeah several right. years after, but so there was this, there was a, I had quit in 1994, I raced till the end of 1994, and then I was a typical kid where you know I wanted a cool car in high school, and so uh, I was very lucky where my dad and I we went together and we uh, we bought a '66 Chevy Two Nova and you know put a motor in it and transmission and did the whole classic car thing and that was my senior year and I had a fun great time with my senior year but I didn't race motorcycles anymore and so uh, cars were kind of the thing for a while and then about six years went by and around 2000 uh, after I'd broken my I went I went riding with a friend of mine and ended up breaking my wrist pretty bad and for it took a good year to heal but during that time, I really wanted a dirt bike, and so uh, I had a good job where I was working at the time, and I uh, got enough credit to be able to buy my own bike, so I bought a 2001 YZ250, and went started racing the B class in 2001, and turned pro halfway through that year, I think. Oh, yeah. So I turned pro in 2001, so my first full year of racing pro was 2002, and I think I was just kind of, uh, you know, I'd watched these guys grow up racing, you know, and thought they were gods, you know, and then when I got on the line with them, I was just like, oh my God, like, I'm not supposed to be you. I'm not supposed to be you. I'm, you know, <laughs> right. I'm here now, but now what do I do? Now what? Yeah. So I think that um, I, I raced for a year, 2000. Oh, no, I raced for a couple years, but yeah. it, I think as the years went on, like 2003, 2004, I didn't race as much. Right. Just wasn't as confident, you know. I considered myself a professional practicer where I would go to Aztec all the time and just be like the bad dude there, you know. You were getting older. I was getting older. I was 25, 26, you know. Yeah. I think that eventually, you know, you turn pro and that's the, that's the limit, you know. You yeah. can't get any better. You're in that class for five or six years and then you got 16-year-old kids coming up and they, you know, and they're going to take chances where I'm not, you know, right. I got to go to work on Monday. Yeah. And if they don't 
if they land on me on a triple, I don't jump a triple and they land on me, I'm going to be out of work for a week. They're going to be out of school for a week. And I think that started to get to me. Like, I think I'm, you know, and uh, I think my last time I rode was in, I remember going to Berthoud, the very first race I ever raced. I remember going to Berthoud with my KX250. I had a 2005 KX250. I went to Berthoud to ride one day. And I remember it was hot. It was middle of July. And I was just, I was so burnt out trying to race and do better than 12th or 13th every weekend. And I remember riding at Berthoud one time and being like, I'm done. Like as I'm riding, I'm thinking to myself, this is my last ride. I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. I was tired of like just trying to compete and not getting any better. And I just got burned out and I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I went home and that was the last time I rode a dirt bike for no, 13, 14 years, I think. And I, I was good with it. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. I don't, I just, don't. I remember it being, I remember having that bike for a year after I quit and I still didn't want to ride it. So yeah. So anyway, um, so I was done and, um, I quit and started my life and just quit. I don't know. I just was done racing dirt bikes. Yeah, uh, you got married. I got married, you know, I had Carter, you know, and then as time went on, you know, I, I always desired to ride, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I wish I could ride. I think I was just living life and just doing life at the time I guess you know that I know what I needed to do getting older too. just getting older yeah. yeah and so anyway uh, I remember selling you know I, you hear all these stories about oh when you get married your wife makes you get rid of your bike right I sold my 2006 KX 252 stroke the Monday after I got married to my wife and it wasn't because she wanted me to get rid of it it was just because I was, it was time. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I never thought that I would be like that. I never thought that I would be like, I'm done with riding dirt bikes, right? Well, I guess, you know, 15 years later, you know, Carter's born and, and, you know, the BMX thing starts. He does really good at BMX, wins a world title, wins several state titles, wins several regional titles, race of champions. And, um, top of everything factory rides and this stuff and I go to to Sun Enterprises in March of 2018 and bought him brand new Kawasaki KX65 and now I'm back into dirt bikes again yeah. so um, it's, I, in, it's in your blood it's in my blood it's in my blood so I, I still don't have much of a desire to get my own bike I mean I, yeah I would like to ride but it's not like I gotta get a bike and ride well, now I'm at the point where my son is doing pretty good on the 85, and I feel like I, I, I think it's time to get back out there and, and ride with him and show him things and just generally enjoy being around my kid and teaching him how to ride dirt bikes and enjoy the love of motorcycling. So that's what we're doing now. Um, it doesn't get any better. It doesn't, Dad. You're right. <laughs> it doesn't get any better. It doesn't. Um, riding with my son is awesome. Um, I have several friends that let me use their bikes, um, but long story short, I will be getting a bike here soon, and I'll be riding with him. So, 
but I just thought I'd give you guys a, a little background on my my racing uh, career as far as Colorado motocross. You know, I'm just a fan of the motocross scene in Colorado, and I remember watching a lot of racers grow up and just seeing a bunch of cool races, and I just thought you guys would like to give a little background on what who I am and my passion for local Colorado motocross. And so that's why I did this little interview with my mom and dad. Um, and to just kind of give you a background of who I am and why I'm doing this stuff. So. And he's a great dad. <laughs> he's a great teacher for Carter. Well, thank you very and much. And he's a very good, um, he's a good mentor for a lot of kids because he's been there, he's ridden all his life and he knows the ropes and we're extremely proud of him yeah and we wouldn't have changed anything that we did all those years um i remember dad saying or what maybe it was you uh my last year in 1994 when i was racing on the honda i remember dad saying or it might have been you too we spent seventeen thousand dollars to go racing this year and that, that kind of put it in perspective. It was like, whoa. Yeah. And I won like three races, you know, and you're like, it's a lot, you know. Yeah. Motorhome, gas for the motorhome, yeah, food, that was, parts for the bike. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> So I know that, you know, it's this, it's this expensive sport. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't regret, I don't think either one of us regret right. one moment of it. Is there any memories you may have, Dad, that you can think of off the top of your head that you remember? Well, the big one is we got up that morning and the, the bike was uh, needed to be welded. Yeah, so we, we started start... looking all over the place, finding welders or nothing, couldn't. So we went all the way home from Berthet. Right. From Berthet. So what happened was we were going to race a race at Berthet on Sunday. But the night before, we, we went up in the motorhome with my friend Zach, and you could ride uh, the track the night before, and you can ride around other places. Well, I was riding uh, up on these jumps, and I was doing this jump over and over and over again. And eventually, I ended up breaking my, I cracked my frame. So I broke my frame. So I go back to my dad, and I'm like, Dad, my frame's broke. So he starts looking for a welder somewhere around, you know, the Berthet area up north past Denver. And there's nobody that has a welder. And it's Saturday evening, and I'm racing the next day. I'm already signed up. And my friend's with me, too. He's signed up, too. So, we, you know. So we pack up and head home about 9 o'clock that night. And my dad stays up all night and welds my frame back. To, takes my bike apart, welds it together, puts it back together. And we go back up to Berth at about 3 or 4 in the morning and race that morning. And no, we didn't race that morning. We went back thinking you were going to race that morning, and it ended up that you didn't race until later that, oh, that the afternoon. afternoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we didn't. We did all that hustling and hurrying for nothing, basically. Yeah, yeah really. But that's the adventures of the moto, you know. Absolutely. There's always some kind of story, Absolutely. you know, that somebody that, has, you know. But you know, we were we were like we were going to get you back there no matter what. Yeah. And that's um, hardcore, you know. Most dads would be like, "All right, your frame's broke, bro. We're sorry." 
sorry, you're done for the weekend. Right. But dad did what he could to search, and then we're like, fuck it. Let's okay. just go home, and exactly. we'll weld it ourselves. Exactly. And get, you know, so. But, and there was one more story I have to add, and I don't remember exactly all the details. You might remember, Corey, but you were going to a big race, and I think it was with... Uh, Ponca with Wes? Maybe with Ponca City with mm-hmm. Wes, and something happened to your bike. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So 1994, I qualified. We went to Loretta. We went to Ponca City. Um, I went. We went with the Hales. About two weeks before that race, my CR125 blew up. So I had no bike to race there. Right. Um, we took it to Slavens in Colorado Springs, Jeff Slavens, and he rebuilt the motor. And we were getting close to leaving, and he's like, "The parts are coming." Uh, they'll be here certain day or whatever. And it, w- it wasn't we going to be in time. It wasn't going to be in time. So we basically decided to race Wes's backup practice bike. That's what I was going to race. It was a 93 RM125. And it was beat to shit, i tell you what. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I didn't have a CR125 to ride. So it was getting close to where I was going to get the parts. We weren't sure if we are going to get them in time to get the bike together. And what ended up happening was my mom and dad took me to Wes's house on like a Friday or whatever after work. And the next morning we got on the road and started driving on I-70 and we got out to about Watkins or the Kiowa area and we pulled off the road and there's my mom and dad with the parts of the rest of my bike. And they were, they were, they made a deal with the Hurtados. Remember Jason Hurtado? Yeah, Hurtados. Hurtado was going to put my motor back together. So they were going to get the parts. And then my mom and dad brought my bike so that when we got to Ponca, we would assemble my bike and be able to race it there. So we picked up my bike, this and that. I'm like, I'm stoked. I'm like, all right, cool. I get to ride my own bike. We get all the way to Ponca get unloaded this and that i go up to hurtado and and hurtado's like sorry man they didn't get the parts to me in time yeah so tried. i had to ride wes's backup bike yeah we tried at so Ponca hard. my first time and i i remember getting like 13th or 14th both motos you just yeah. like you know irrelevant you know it wasn't on my own bike it was a beater yeah. and but i was very grateful to be have the hails take me with them and experience that you know that was the only amateur national i ever raced um, but it was cool. Um, I remember, I remember there was a few girls we hooked up with. There was like three girls, me, Wes, and Jason. And by the end of the week, we had all switched. Oh, you know, switched with the girls we were with. You oh, know? I don't want to <laughs> hear this. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some other stories we'll probably keep to, you know, yeah, for that particular one. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, but that's what I remember. Um, you know, just you guys well, trying so hard to get me well, what I needed, you know. Yeah. It was an adventure for sure. Absolutely. One more story I have before we go. Do you remember John Beavers, the announcer guy? Mm-hmm. Do you remember we were at Erie one time? Oh, yes. Also known as IMI Motorsports. We called it Erie back in the day. It was That's yeah. the town that it is Erie or Tacono, right? Right. right. Um, they, for some reason, they would prep the track all night long. So there would be a a dozer out there, and every time it'd back up, you'd hear the dee, 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 dee. And for some reason, they graded the tr- and watered the track all night long. Yes. I don't know why. It, it kept us up all night. We They Remember? were grading the track oh, and watering it. Yeah. And 
I remember the next morning getting up. We're just kind of waking up, this and that. And Beavers comes on the, the mic. Morning, morning. How you doing? Da, 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 and starts talking. And, and he starts going through the rules. And remember, no pit riding. No double. No no two riders on a pit bike, whatever, you know. First gear through the pits. And eventually, these two kids run by him on a bike. And he's like, hey, I told you boys. No riding, two together. What, you have a bowl of stupid this morning? <laughs> so, yes, I remember He that. was good. He was good stuff. He, was, uh, he, was he eventually good. ended up, uh, unfortunately, passing away at a race in Cheyenne in 1999. Um, oh. he, was a good, he was a good announcer. He made everything so exciting and stuff. And, and the Cheyenne track was at the end of the airport. Right. Yeah. And there were always, the planes would always fly over all yeah. the time. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's uh, that's basically the first part, I guess, of my mom and dad's support of me racing from 1989 to 1994. And then uh, I quit for about six years and then got back into it around 2001 um, and then raced for about another five years and then, then retired again. So that's a little brief in basically, uh, you know, a little history of who I am and, and what, I've, what I've done in Colorado motocross, which is basically nothing. <laughs> so, but it was fun competing, you know, and then watching all these riders grow up, guys like Andrew Short, watching him make it. Uh, I remember going to the awards banquet one time and, you know, Andrew Short was racing 80s and I was on a 125B class and I remember going and getting my plaque for like top 10 in the state for a certain class and I didn't have my name on it. So I went up to the lady that, that, uh, they told me to ask where I could find my nameplate was, and it was uh, Andrew Short's mom. And she's like, "What's your name?" And I'm like, uh, "Corey Cochran." And she's like, "Oh yeah, my son Andrew. She li- he likes to watch you ride." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool. You know, I know Andrew." Blah blah blah. And so it's pretty cool to see someone like that that you know who know if he watched me or not. You know, that's just what his mom said. But it's cool to see someone like that be successful and what he's doing now and stuff like that. And um, guys back in the day I used to watch Sean Morgan, Kip Sandell, Jared Carlson, Andy Atkins, oh, Fulcher, yeah, you know, all these guys were so fast and oh, yeah, we remember that. Yep. Yeah, it was good battles, you know, good, and good stuff we've had Absolutely. throughout the day. So A good life. It was, it was good. So well thanks mom and dad. I appreciate you doing this with me. It was well, kinda good reliving well, memory lane a little bit, huh? You're welcome. Appreciate it. You are welcome. All right, guys. I love you very much. Love you too. All right.